welcome to episode 15 of Foundations for Discipleship. We're uh, discussing prayer and why should we do it and how should we do it uh, and how should we pray. On this episode, we'll be looking at the topics of what we should pray for and uh, when we should pray. Or there's uh, Pastor Tim Barr. I'm Alan Brace. Uh, so, hey, Alan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, the you know, cold. I'm doing well. I'm excited you sound a little bit prayer. raspy. You sound a little raspy. You got that cold thing going. You know, I do. I kind of got a little head cold going, but you know, we're we're all getting a bit used to that again. So that's good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And anyway, uh, Pastor Tim, give us a one sentence response on why and how we should pray. All right, we should regularly, consistently. But we didn't give me any prep for this, so I'm going for this, right? We should yep. regularly, consistently pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, talking to him about every challenge of life and glorifying him forever. How did it do? So we pray, we pray to God in Jesus' name. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, so God has a, a, a number of names. What, uh, how does that fit into our prayer life? And what about praying scripture? Um, is that, is that right. something that a, a person can legitimately do? Yeah. And I, I'm going to get the wrong page because I know uh, the, what is it? Page 85 in our book has a list right. of God's names. So I think God's names are important because the, the names of God help us understand the character of God. Um, and, and if we don't understand who God is and what he is like, then, then in many ways what we're going to do is misunderstand how we should communicate with him. Um, and, and I think a lot of people view God like father time, like sitting up in heaven, bored, um, and somewhat distant and disconnected. But when you look at the names of God, you begin to see he's a warrior. You, you begin to see he's the God who sees and knows. He, he's the all-powerful God, right? As we begin to get a sense of who God is, then we begin to pray with power because we begin to pray in ways that conform with his character. I think that uh, one of the things that, that's good to do when we pray um, is, is I believe it's good that we acknowledge characteristics of God. His goodness, his holiness, and so on. And those are made up in these names that, that are in our book uh, on page 85. You know, I, I, years ago, I was encouraged to start a journal where, we would, where I would include things like God is, God is like, and then God's names. Um, and just from scripture, where it says God is good, right? So right. He, right? Um, God is holy. Um, God is like, and in there you could use like or metaphors. He's our, he's our high tower. He's our fortress. Right. Um, he is right. There's just so many great name um, things that God is like. And then you have, of course, the names that list where you have all the Jehovah or Yahweh um, compound names. So you have like Yahweh Rapha or Yahweh um, Jaira or El Shaddai or El Roy, those kind of names. Right. And, and, we also can pray from scripture. We can take passages of scripture and pray uh, and Psalms are a good place to start um, and so forth. Uh, but we have the Lord's prayer that Jesus example of a prayer in uh, Matthew chapter six. And it starts out with our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I mean, that's uh, that's an example of how we get started with our prayers. Yeah. Notice it's distinctly, you pray to the father. Um, and it is a God-focused prayer, not a man-focused. The, the goal of prayer is to reverence the, our Heavenly Father for who he is. 
That, I right. mean, that's a great way. Oh, let's just work our way down through it. This is a great, great way to kind of think, how do you pray through scripture? Well, in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying, we ask that God's will be done in all situations of our lives. Well, hey, don't skip the eschatology here, right? It starts with saying, God, we are looking forward to Christ's kingdom where he fixes everything on earth that's messed up now. We're looking forward to that. But in the current time, we are asking that just like everything obeys God and evil is completely dealt with in heaven, that as much as providence and sovereignty would allow, that that would be done in in our lives. So we've started out with uh, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We've started out with a characteristic of God himself uh, and given him honor for that. We acknowledge that uh, we're looking forward to his kingdom coming, and, and we acknowledge that it is, we're asking that his will be done. We've given him control of that. And now, on verse 11, give us this day our daily bread our very sustenance, the very thing that we need, our needs of today, we're supposed to ask for as well. You know, it's interesting if you look at the really precise grammar um, that Matthew uses and Luke uses of the same prayer. Um, in one case, it's give us each and every day only the food we need for that day. The other grammar allows for a little bit broader, and that is give us the food we need every day. And I don't know about you, I would prefer to just to pray for the latter. Lord, make sure I always have enough food so I never go a day without it. Because uh, if I get to pray every day, now all of a sudden I'm in a George Mueller situation where I'm sitting down thanking God for food that hasn't appeared yet. Um, and, and I think this text just reminds us, no matter which of those scenarios we're in, it's God who supplies. Or, yeah, and, and if you pray every day, does it become wrote, mem- uh, you know, sort of a memorized um, thing that you just do? You know, I pray, but it's, it's almost every day I work my way through the Lord's Prayer. Um, it's one of the early things I do right when I wake up in the morning. Um, when I come to this, I rarely talk to the Lord about bread. I, I'm normally thinking about all the distinct needs, and I think of the needs of my family, the needs of our church, the needs of my own life. And I mean, Lord, I'm just like, Lord, I, I ask that today that you would supply for the, the bills at our church. Just, Lord, help them to be pro- provided for today in ways that we could never imagine. Lord, Lord um, be with um, my, my children. Help Supply the good gifts that only a heavenly father could supply to them. Right. Um, right. And, and, and Lord, don't give us so much that we forget to ask you for them. Right. And, but I don't really like to pray that, but I'm told to, so we do it. Yeah, exactly. And forgive us our debts, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now we begin to pray for others. Um, this is frustrating to me because I have never struggled to believe that God should forgive my debts. It, it, it seems intuitive to me that when I confess my sin, that God would want to forgive me. Right. And, and yet there is an equivalency here that is called for it in saying that if I can be that confident that God should forgive my debts, then I should be that confident that I would forgive people that sin against me. Um, is this also a, it's a hard prayer? Yeah. It, is it also a reminder of Christ forgiving our sin debt? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, why is it that we forgive people that sin? Now, by the way, the people have asked, is this a sin debt? Is this a financial debt? My answer is it's debt, yeah. right? 
anyone that has done something against us and comes and asks for forgiveness, we need to have the model of Christ in our heart and our mind. As God has forgiven me, so I feel compelled to be forgiving of others. And, and notice it says, and forgive us our debts as. Right. All right. Right. In other words, the, the, the regular pattern of us is we are asking, we are trying to forgive others so that we can have confidence and a clear conscience to ask God to forgive us. Yes. And um, lead us not into temptation. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah, well, and, hugely challenging um, translation right there, by the way. It is the evil. Okay, so the question is, what is it that is being asked? Um, do not lead us into to temptation. I think it reminds all of us of the Garden of Gethsemane, right? right. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. Right. Your, your, um, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Right. We exactly. all feel that. But exactly. then he says, deliver us from the evil. Now, this could be all things that are connected to the curse viewed in, in its kind of corporate evil. It could be the evil one himself. It could be deliver us from the devil and all of his minions and everything he controls. It could also be deliver us from the evil, which is inherently ours. Right. Um, and, which le- which yeah. uh, keeps us, well, which allows us to fall into temptation or to right. succumb to temptation. My best guess on this is this is deliver us from the devil and everything that he is tempting us, us with because it's paralleled with the first part of temptation. Um, so often what I'm going to do is when I'm praying, I'm asking God not to lead me into temptation, but that's a real humble statement saying, God, I will not survive well if you don't protect me from temptation. So is it wrong to, you've given us three different basically interpretations of that second phrase, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. And so is it wrong to pray that God would deliver us from each one of those? All right. So I think we really should legitimately pick one option as an interpretation, but I think all three are legitimate. So I I think the strongest argument is, is protection from the devil. But in, in many ways, if you ask for one, you're fundamentally asking in application for all three. Um, so I would just say, what we're saying is this, God, do I, I'm too weak to endure temptation. And, and honestly, God knows that, right? Right. And then what we're going to have to say to God is this. So God, when I am not following you, because the Lord is not leading us into temptation, and I, I, I come into evil, I'm not strong enough to deliver myself from that either. Um, you're going to have to protect me from that. Um, so it's this complete sense of impotence um, and a complete reliance on the power of God. So then uh, the, the prayer concludes here with, uh, with again, the acknowledgement of, of who God is for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory uh, forever, not just for today, not for yesterday, but forever. Here are some attributes of God that we, we express to him through our prayer 
as a matter of uh, a matter of worship and matter of of giving him glory and just you know there is a textual variant sitting at the base of that little thing so the question is um is that final doxology part of the prayer was it a later edition i think there's enough evidence for us to think that that's actually part of the prayer so i I, the idea of ending a prayer in doxology and, and which is kind of a formal statement of giving glory to God, I think is, um, it, it really has exegetical roots. And, and if, if not here, we certainly see them um, in Colossians 1 and Philippians 2. Um, I think that, uh, I think, I, I, I see in our society today and in the church societies that I, I'm aware of, you know, we, we sort of assume that uh you know we have music that is an act of worship we have service as an act of worship but really the ultimate part of this prayer is that it is an act of worship before our heavenly father yeah i don't think there's anything that is more glorifying to god than that fallen sinners have been redeemed by jesus because we were created to have fellowship with God and we broke that. And when Jesus restores that fellowship and we take advantage of that restored relationship with God, we are doing exactly what God made us to do. Um, And and there's just nothing better for us to do in our lifetime. And of course, you know, we've been through this example prayer from Jesus. There, there there's just a number of things that, that are good to pray for that we find it from scripture. Um, and looking at page 90 and 91 in our book, there's just a, a list of things that we can pray for, you know, the, the furtherance of the gospel and, and opportunities to share the gospel. And, and I think that's important because, you know, if, if we need to ask God to help us see the opportunities to share the gospel with people. Um, and I think that's important for those who are being discipled to understand that it isn't just I'm learning and taking it in, but it's my responsibility to move on and, and pass this on to others. Yeah, as you continue that list, remember that you're praying for those who are helping serve in ministry. You're praying for your government. You're pre- even praying for the, your enemies, um, which, which fits exactly Jesus's theology, right? Right. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Um, we pray for our spiritual leaders. You pray for wisdom. You pray for those who are suffering and sick. I mean, fundamentally, by the time you get done the list, there's really nothing you cannot pray for. Exactly. And there's no minutia involved in prayer. There's nothing too small, but the Bible does give us two things that, that are sort of pitfalls in prayer. And one of them is, is to do these magnificent prayers as evidence of spirituality Um, that, you know, and I think Jesus gave, got after the Pharisees for doing that. Oh man. And he ought to get after us too. We ought to get after ourselves. How, how often like in a prayer meeting have people begun to wax into the King James English and and then pretty soon they're talking. And, and when they realize is this, I am actually trying to make the people around me notice my prayer. And I've totally lost track that I'm communicating with God, right? So I think one of the things, be, we need to be really guarded that we're not trying to learn to pray so that we think we're spiritual. If we're spiritual, we're going to be so hu- humiliated that God would hear us that we are going to bring our petitions quietly and gently, not arrogantly. Well, and the other thing that we fall into, the other sort of pitfall ditch or rut that we fall into is that we just say the same things regularly, you know, um, uh, just out of habit, just just phrases that we learned as kids or catchphrases that make us sound good. Or maybe there's some superstition involved, you know, if I say this, then this will happen sort of thing. 
Yeah. How about um, be with the missionaries, whatever that might mean. Right. Or um, by the way, be with anyone. I mean, the Holy spirit dwells everyone that's already covered. Got that covered. Um, Maybe we would do better to to say, Lord, we ask that the missionaries would have an opportunity to share the gospel with a lost person today. We ask for this missionary pastor as he's studying the word that he would have great confidence when he preaches this coming Sunday. We think of this missionary's children um, as they're growing up in the home and there's not a lot of children in that church we ask that they would make real friendships right i think we need to pray in a way that is sincere and normal and honest um yeah and i I, the superstition thing is crazy but we but there are people that do that right they they, they feel like um maybe I'll, i'll give you one really modern example of this um there's a group in what was called the emergent church and the emerging church of where they would set up a labyrinth, which is basically like a maze with no end. And they would put it on a floor and people would be walking that labyrinth, this maze while they're generally doing centering prayer, saying one name of God over and over again. And and for them, they were, they, they thought by doing this ancient form of Celtic prayer in the name of God, well then God would somehow be obligated to connect to them or, or hear them. And I think we need to just be careful and say, wait a second. No, we're just having a conversation with our heavenly father. Exactly. I think that there's examples in the old Testament of the, uh, the, those who were worshiping false gods and that's what they would do is just chant over and over again and some special chant, um, to try and get their attention. So we've, we've covered it. Six, seven. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. You know, in my travels overseas, I've certainly been in a number of places where folk religion, um, Hinduism, and Buddhism are just very common. And I've seen so many people bowing down or standing in front of an idol and just saying this mindless thing over and over and over again, thinking if they say it long enough, that dead God with eyes that can't see and ears that can't hear will somehow respond with a mouth that can't speak right? We don't ever want to follow that talking to our one true living God. Exactly. Cause we know he's, he's listening. We know he can hear and we know that he will answer. Um, and so we, you know, we've covered all these things. We have the example from Matthew six and, and, uh, verses nine through, uh, 13 with regard to, you know, God's or Jesus example prayer, but when, and, you know, can we pray anytime? I mean, can we pray if we're in public? If if I'm in a if I'm in a uh, department head meeting and you know and something's coming at me that I just don't know how to respond, can I can I pray aloud? Do I have to pray aloud? Can I pray um, privately? How do I? How does that work? All right. Yeah. So I think this is an issue of just real pragmatics that when we're mentoring people, we have to help people work through the pragmatics of it. There are at least two, let's start in the biggest category. There's two big categories of prayer. There is private prayer and there's public prayer. Now, under both of them, there's two different means for doing it. We could pray out loud or we can pray silently. Now, what's interesting is the biblical pattern for prayer that we see most often is public prayer out loud. Right. And if you were to talk to most Christians in America, what, they, what we are most comfortable with is silent prayer that is by ourselves. 
Um, and, and I think that both of those forms of prayer and the whole continuum between them can be legitimate. But I would just say we need to be careful we don't lose the, the pattern of both Old and New Testament. Um, and that is that when we pray, there are times where, like in Matthew 6, 6, where Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, pray that your heavenly father in secret, right? There are, is a time where we need to quietly, secretly pray. Right. But in the church, there ought to be public prayers that we join our hearts together and pray together. We think of the, uh, the example, I believe it's an Acts, uh, stumbling on the chapter at the moment, where Paul and Silas were released from prison, and what did, where did they go? They went to a prayer meeting, um, and it was, a, it was a group of people praying together, and I think that's one of the things that we sort of forget about uh, is, well, I prayed, and I, and I did it for however long this morning, but the Bible also encourages corporate prayer. And, and lifting one another up and, and lifting those up, uh, lifting our prayers up together. Uh, and I, I just, I think we forget that. And let me talk about the last thing in terms of prayer that I think is really important in that conversation is um, what is the physical um, responses we ought to be having in prayer? Um, in the Old Testament, we know that people kneeled down and then they would lift their hands when they prayed. Um, in a lot of evangelical churches today, there once back in the 80s, everybody had their hands up in the air. Um, kind of the joke today is everybody has them low and cupped. Um, I think most of us um, from like a conservative Baptist background were told from the time we were kids, you bow your head, you close your eyes, you fold your hands. Um, if you're wondering why we do all three of those, the answer is because kids would stop poaching each other in, in junior church, right? Yeah. By the way, I don't really bow my head, close my eyes, and fold my hands in the morning because if I did that, I'd be right back asleep. Right, exactly. Uh, so I, I think the whole point of prayer is that we're focused on Christ. Um, I, I want to be a little bit leery of grabbing things from Jewish culture and importing them into our Western culture because what we mean by raising our hands and what an ancient Near Eastern Jew meant by raising his hands were very, very different things, So, I, or at least could be. Um, so right. I would say, let's be careful, but however we pray, let's, let's be humble about it. Um, let's be intentional. Let's be focused. And I think that Jesus modeled a pattern of, of getting alone and spending significant time in prayer. And, uh, and I, I, I use this, this is, this is something I sort of grabbed onto a long time ago is that he also modeled that you, you, you start a pattern of praying early in the morning before the day begins. And I think for me, um, the reason why I do it, I, I am sort of doing your example as well. I, I pray before I get out of bed in the morning because oftentimes I'm awake before the alarm goes off, quite frankly. Um, but I think the, for me, it is the clutter of the day does not, uh, does not preclude me from, from remembering those who I need to pray for. And, and, and then also it gives me an attitude of um, humbleness to go into my day. I, I, I find that if I don't pray before I get up in the morning or soon after I get up in the morning, the day just seems to go poorly because I'm trying to do it by myself and I, and it's about me. So I, I, it just is a struggle if I don't. You know, and I also found out just kind of strategically and I, and, and some of our listeners will get this. Um, if I get up in my day, get going with my day, I can put together a plan, start an action plan, get working through my day. I can be very, very efficient for all the wrong purposes. 
Yep. But if I wake up in the morning and I'm focused on God and I'm praying to him, um, for me, sometimes, well, especially when it gets hot and I'm, if I'm running, I'll get up and run early in the morning before it's hot. Um, by the time I am done praying, running, um, which is often a time of prayer in, in between, like gasping for air, um, you know, by the time all of that is done, it's amazing to me how my initial plan for the day has already readjusted so that I am now beginning to say, okay, what, what does God care about today in my life? What, what are his priorities for me? Not, not what are my priorities for him? Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, this has been such an interesting discussion about something that in many ways gets neglected, um, but it is in, it's important. And I, and I hope that people, if they missed a point or if they trying to remember something that has been said here uh, in this podcast that, uh, that they'll go back, rewind, go back and listen to it because this is a, this is an important thing. And I think people struggle with just putting it together and making it happen um, and, and finding that time. It's uh uh, kind of like reading the Bible, uh, you got to set you. You got to be intentional about it. You have to have that time set aside uh, on a daily basis, and then, as we said in in corporate uh, prayer as well, um, we'd encourage our our people who are tuning in, listening in, uh, to do the scripture memory uh, that's found in our books. Uh, each one, each chapter has at least three verses at the end. Um, you don't have to stop there. You can memorize before and after verses before and after, but the points of the verses in the chapter are really about the, uh, the chapter that you've been studying. And, um, and speaking of prayer, we'd like to remind our mentors to pray for their mentorees, for those who you are working with, the, the disciples uh, that are following you, that they that, that, that you would approach it with the right attitude, you'd approach it with, with looking it through God's eyes, if you will, and that, uh, that they would have a heart prepared to receive the word. Can I give one final admonition? Um, it comes right out of that uh, Philippians 4 memory verse. And, and by the way, this is good for all of us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By the way, that, that's just, boy, that just sums up everything we've been trying to say. Exactly. Well, we do thank you for joining us on episode 15 of Foundations for Discipleship as we concluded our talk about prayer from chapter 6 of the book, Foundations, Bible Truths for Christian Growth. We encourage you to spend time in God's word. We encourage you to spend time alone praying and in corporate prayer. Uh, we pray that the podcast is helpful to you as you, you grow in your spiritual life. So for Pastor Tim, I'm Alan. So long. So long.